Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental. Welcome to the minicast. Ta-da! I don't know why I do that. I started doing it, and now I keep doing it. Okay, well, tradition. Well, as promised, this is a minicast about Mary Godwin Shelley, the daughter of Mary Wollstonecraft and the author of, among other things, a work entitled Frankenstein. Yes. That we are all familiar with. I'll uh, just make noises in the background. Yes. <laughs> she led a very full life, but so we're just going to kind of bullet point that life yes. in this minicast. So we're going to try and keep it short. So do, um, just to get a little background, if you like, uh, it's not so critical on this one, actually, but um, go back, if you would like, and listen to the Mary Wollstonecraft podcast. Mary Wollstonecraft is, in fact, her mother. But as Mary Wollstonecraft died within 10 days of her birth, the link between the two isn't, it's not as critical as normally it is to a minicast subject to the regular subject. Right. So you may proceed if you wish. Certainly. And it's kind of interesting because you say, you know, you always hear, oh, Mary Shelley is the daughter of Mary Wollstonecraft, but they never knew each other. Mm-mm. So she was the daughter of a um, famous proto-feminist author Mary Wollstonecraft and William Godwin, the radical anarchist philosopher (laughs) uh, who had, among other things, a work entitled Lives of the Necromancers. Hmm. So, uh, so, about half a year after Mary Wollstonecraft died, her father, Mr. Godwin, married a widow with two children, Mrs. Claremont. So it was this odd, blended family. His daughter, Mary Godwin, our subject, her two children, and then his first wife's child. So it was a strange blended family. And it was not, I mean, it's unconventional in and of itself, but they were unconventional people. They they were definitely a free-thinking family. Yeah. Her father is a known atheist and um, an outward, you know, advocate for atheism at that and so they let her read whatever she wanted. They didn't bring her up to be a delicate miss. Um, famous writers just turned up at the house. Coleridge, Lamb, the romantic poets. She grew up very intellectual, as you would be, surrounded by all these adults with all these ideals and brain power, really, just stopping by the house. Um, and talking to you. And talking to you as if you were an adult, right. but you're a child. Right. It, it's. I think that's a very good basis right there yeah she didn't have a very there was times where she went to school but she didn't overall have a very conventional Mm -hmm. education her dad actually thought that the best way for her to be educated was to read more than one book at a time i do that i know you do and i have to do our time with it i totally do i i admire that and you read really fast too i've got a couple in the car i've got a couple down here right now um you know the history chicks things are taking up most of my yeah i have i have novels on my kindle that i have probably have two that i have going but then i have all the other history chick stuff but i have to read one of those at a time i i know yeah so she grew up intellectual serious and quite beautiful when she was 16 her father had, I, I'm not going to call him a stalker, he was an admirer. He admired the work of her father. The writer Percy Bysshe Shelley, a married man, and his wife Harriet started coming by the house and joining the cavalcade of authorship mm-hmm. that parked <laughs> their booties on the sofas of the house. And Percy Bysshe Shelley was just a great admirer of her father, almost, I mean seriously, almost stalkery, would write him letters all the time asking for advice, etc. But then, all of a sudden, his affections switched family member. Now, throw into that mix the fact that Godwin was not the world's greatest money manager. Hmm. 
And Percy had some coin. Yes. <laughs> that Godwin was not at all offended to accept because he thought that people should support their intellectual mind, the intellectual minds of the of the community. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah, I had forgotten that Percy had some coin, yeah. as you put it. <laughs> so he's not going to turn away this man. No. no, no, no. But, um, but he perhaps ought to have because Mary, his 16-year-old daughter, and this visitor to his house fell in love and ran away together. Now remember, he's married. And not only is he married, he has two small children, and he's left them behind, which is shameful, because what is she supposed to do now? No. That wife, I mean, so. They run off, and prior to that, they're they're having their relationship, you know, there's there's a little clandestine sneak-off relationship and hang out over Mary Wollstonecraft's grave. <laughs> Yeah, this is a Halloween episode. And when, <laughs> let's go romance in the graveyard. Yeah. Uh, so they're gone. They're away. They're where are they? Nobody knows. But Mary was pregnant almost immediately. Yeah. And this baby though was born and then died soon afterward. Very common story. Eleven months later, son William was born. Yes. So already we're not even eighteen, and we've had two pregnancies, and we have a little baby. Right. So the pair were invited to spend time at a villa near Geneva, Switzerland, with some other famous writers. Fabulous. And I don't know how to say it. It's the Villa Deodati. It sounds really nice, Switzerland, Lake Geneva. Oh, but yeah. no, it's cold and it's rainy and it's miserable. Well, none other than Lord Byron was there. Yes. Now, Lord Byron, we've got, there's just this undertone that we're just going to delicately tap dance around on this mini cast. There's a whole bunch of little relationships going on. Now, not only are we talking about um, Mary and Percy being a couple, but we've brought in the stepsister. Mary Jane's daughter, Claire, is also in the mix. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. So, they're in Lake Geneva, Switzerland, and they decide to haul out this German ghost story book one night around the fire, and they're reading these stories. And keep in mind, it's rainy, it's gloomy, the only light's coming from this big stone fireplace. And they're reading scary stories. And talking about philosophy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, here's one thing they were wondering one night. Will anyone ever isolate that thing, whatever it is, that thing that causes life? I wonder if scientists will ever isolate that factor, whatever it is. And they talked about the principle of galvanism. Now, at this time, galvanism was an electric shock that causes muscles to move. Like, you can apply mm -hmm. an electric shock to a muscle, and it will contract. Mm -hmm. But now it's just galvanized buckets full of rolling rock. That's right. But at the time... I like our galvanizing better, but go um, on. But at the time, that was a very interesting new phenomenon to have um, been discovered, that there's electric impulses in the muscles. Mm -hmm. Also remember, she's lost a child, and she had a dream um, that she said, my little baby came back to life again in this dream. She said it had just been cold, and we rubbed it by the fire, and it lived. So she's still pretty messed up about the death of her first child, and she's reading these ghost stories, and she's very young. Yeah, and so here they are. She's intimidated by the company, too, you know. She's intimidated even by Percy. Everybody agreed to come up with a ghost story. Let's do it, you know, because what are you going to do? You can't go outside and roll around. It's freezing, sleeting rain outside. Right. So, um, and there's no, you know, Real Housewives or whatever to watch. <laughs> no Lifetime movie? Mm -mm. No. So, um, Mary was really embarrassed that she had writer's block. Here, all these, you know, people are coming up with these stories, and 
she had this nightmare of a man waking up to find a monster standing by his bed. And so she told that little snippet as her contribution. And her husband was... Husband. Her dude. Her gentleman. (laughs) Percy was so interested about this. And he said she should develop that. Make that your... Make it a big story. Make it bigger than this. Than this little contest. And it took, honestly, it took, you know, about three quarters of a year. It took almost a year Mm -hmm. to write this thing. Two tragedies happened. Right when she was writing, her sister Fanny Imlay died. Right. Suicide. And Percy's wife killed herself. Right. There's death all over. There is. It's not good. And so since Percy's wife is, therefore, dead, they can marry, and they do. They get married kind of in hopes of regaining his two children. Right. That former marriage. It wasn't that they really thought they had to get married, but that was a good strategy that his legal advisors had told him would be good and it was unsuccessful yeah because the grandparents mm-hmm. harriet's parents well he had abandoned her i would yeah yeah i would say no to yeah he abandoned her to gallivant uh, you know with, with a 16 year old 16 year old and their love child mm-hmm. and yeah no so the book got done and shelly sent it first to byron's publisher and then to his publisher i'm wondering about the order Unless it was more suitable for Byron's um, followers or whatever. I don't know why he didn't send it to his first, but no dice. Nobody took it. Nope. And so it was published by a third company, but they didn't put her name on it. But everyone thought it was Shelley that wrote it. Everyone thought it was Percy Mm -hmm. that wrote it. So the reviews were very polar, which is like, what do we know about that? Her mothers were very polar. Oh, Either people hated it, it or, or they, they liked loved it. it. That's true. So this, her, that time in Switzerland really did change her life. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know the story, here's your Frankenstein 30-second summary. Alive, it's alive, it's alive! Scientist Dr. Victor Frankenstein builds a monster out of pieces and parts and gives it life with the amazing power of lightning. He freaks out and abandons it soon after and the poor old monster just can't catch a break. When Dr. Frankenstein goes back on a promise to make the monster a wife, that's its turn to freak out and murderous hijinks ensue. This book is often thought to be one of the very first examples of science fiction. The end. The critics couldn't get their head around, what is this? It's kind of the first time science had been a main factor in a book. There were gothic novels. They were so popular. In fact, The Mysteries of Udolpho is a famous one featured in Jane Austen's Northanger Abbey. All skeletons and creepiness and old castles and everything, but this was the first one that really was less of that and more science. And science, that's amazing stuff. And so the public loved it. Just loved it. Well, Mary Shelley had a little daughter named Clara who died at one. At Clara Everina. I love the name Everina. I know you do. She died of dysentery at one. William died of malaria at three. So that's, she's three for three on babies. Immediately followed by the birth of a son named Percy Florence and a miscarriage. Right. So and she, per, Percy, her husband, actually saves her in the miscarriage because she was bleeding quite a bit. And he suggested she sit in some cold water. And it slowed the bleeding down. So he actually saved her life. So here she is. Having had five pregnancies by the age of 23, she has one child who's still a baby and could very well, you know, still leave her. And then another tragedy happens. Percy dies. Percy decided to go on a pleasure cruise with some friends 
in the Bay of Larachi. And his boat encountered a storm and they were capsized. That was it. In such short order, she had the unusual, unconventional childhood. Yep. Ran off with Percy. Babies, married Percy. Babies, 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 babies. Wrote a book. Met Lord Byron. Sister <laughs> dies. Wife of lover dies. Mm-hmm. I, it's action-packed. It is. Why isn't there a movie about this? I don't know. Well, and here's why, though. Because the excitement <laughs> at this point it seems to be over. Yes. There's nothing, no further chaos and nope. drama came, but no great literature either. She did keep writing, and really, I, I'd say most of the rest of her work has been forgotten. Yeah, she wrote all kinds. She wrote novels, short stories, mm-hmm. um, biographies. I mean, she did, she worked as a writer. She was able to bring but, up her son and keep house well. Mm-hmm. There's a title that I think is, I don't know why I'm so intrigued by this title. I'm going to have to go read it. The Fortunes of Perkin Warbeck. I don't know what that is. I don't either. Read it, but it sounds interesting. Interestingly, by the time she's 26, her story, Frankenstein, has already been transformed into a play, and it was already being performed in public. So seriously, like, her work was turned around so quickly, it's almost like if you write a book now and it got optioned for movies. Right away. Right yeah. away. So she, she, unlike many artists, do live to see her work become viral and popular. Right. So that's good. Viral. That's an interesting ter- word to use for the time, but that's what it was. Yeah, yeah it was absolutely. definitely viral. Her son, Percy, grew up not brilliant, not stupid, no. just medium. But he took care of her. He did take care of her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was absolutely medium. That's all I can say about Percy. Fine and fair enough. The world is full of medium, and yeah. he was one such. You know what? Given the family that she was in... That's medium. probably good. Medium was unconventional. <laughs> well, there was only one little free song of a slightly more exciting thing. She had this rumored fling with Washington Irving, author of The Headless Horseman. Now, would that have been the Halloween pairing of champions? Oh, that would have been. Had they made it? Most... I'm a little bummed. Sounds like they did. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> It's too bad they didn't stay together to write more works of lasting Halloween-like fiction. Ought I to rephrase? (laughs) She lives a fairly long life. I mean, she's 54, and suddenly she's becoming ill, and she's losing control of her limbs. And they check her out, and she has a brain tumor, and she dies. The end. Nothing more or less than that. But... Her story, I mean, Frankenstein, how many times has Frankenstein been redone? I mean, I personally, <laughs> we're like, oh, we're going to do Mary Shelley. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think I ever read Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. So I got Frankenstein, and I started to read it, and I, I got mm, uh, sidetracked. Well, there's a lot of story within a story <laughs> right. in Frankenstein um, that that part doesn't really ever make it into the movies. They just Mm-mm. concentrate on the action. Right. But there, you know, there's a finding of a of a shipwrecked man there's like all kinds of internal stories within a story that um are a little hard to to follow perhaps for someone more used to or expecting the other or linear story yeah and i had other books i was trying to read and i can't read more than one at a time so what i do was i went to the graphic novel version oh good (laughs) that was very successful for me and then I watched a couple movie versions, one with Boris Karloff and, of course, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. <laughs> highly recommend. And, you know, one of the key things in Frankenstein, you know how there's always the Bride of Frankenstein? And I always thought, that's ridiculous sequel. Okay, no. no. It's a main factor in, in the, the actual book. book. Frankenstein is the Frankenstein monster looking about, sees nothing like himself, and wants a companion. Which harkens back to Adam in the Garden of Eden. 
This is what people have written. Right. Harkens back to Adam in the Garden of Eden, looking around at all the other creatures and realizing there's nothing like him, and he wants someone made like him to be a companion. Right. And, of course, Frankenstein refuses, and then hijinks ensue. Right. As right, the so monster gets angry. monster gets angry and starts killing off all of Victor's friends and his bride. And So that's not good. No, it's bad. So he's lost control of his creation, um, and that theme of a man losing control of his scientific creation... Almost every science fiction yeah. movie ever invented has right. got that theme. It's like, oh, we thought we were so smart making this thing that Radio is now turned on us. Spiders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> in that way, she is a she's a visionary. Uh, yeah, she was. I like her mother. She started something that would be very lasting, and maybe not the way it was originally intended. But and she did live her life kind of like her mom. If she wanted to do it, she did it. She did it. So the main links that we have for you today, um, obviously you want to get your mitts on Frankenstein, especially right before Halloween. Oh, certainly. Um, at the very least, watch one of the movies, but um, Frankenstein or Young Frankenstein, if you'd rather, you know, laugh any popcorn, that's fine too. Not the same at all. There's always Bride of Frankenstein, any number of things. No. For more serious uh, work on Mary Shelley, Mary Shelley, Romance and Reality by Emily Sunstein. Thank you so much for listening to our mini-cast, and we hope to see you soon. Bye. For show notes and links to the things we talked about today, please visit us at thehistorychicks.com. Follow us on Twitter at thehistorychicks. With, with an, an X. X. Or like us on Facebook without an X. If you'd like us in real life, please tell a few friends or leave a review for us on iTunes. The music in our podcast comes courtesy of Music Alley. Visit them at music.mevio.com. <laughs>